So today I want to continue with um, the series Prepare Yourself. And today we're going to start, this might be a part one of Courage to Obey. In preparation, we have to have courage to obey when we, are, when we have instructions. So I'm just going to, we're going to go to start in Mark chapter 14. We're going to come up verses 32 and 41, through 41, and Luke 22. So just turn to Mark 14. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to uh, give you a little backdrop of what is happening. So we just celebrated um, Palm Sunday, and we celebrated Good Friday, and we celebrated Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. Now before Good Friday, after Palm Sunday, Jesus was in the upper room doing having his, the Last Supper with his disciples and telling him what is going to happen to him. And he did the thing we now remember and we call it communion. So he was using the, sim- the symbol as the wine and the, as his blood and, and the unleavened bread as his body. And he, and he stated that they ought to do this in remembrance of him. So, while, so when that was finished, they left and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Because Jesus knew he had an appointment to keep. So now we're going to pick up from there. Where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane to keep his appointment. This Passover will be his last. He knew that this Passover he just, he just um, celebrated would be his last Passover on earth. Because he, as I said he, earlier, he had last supper with his disciples, signifying what he had to do to enact the new covenant. The disciples did not understand the significance of the times and the seasons. And we're going to pick up in verse 32 in Mark chapter 14. And let's, you all should be there now. And I'm going to start reading from verse 32. Then they came to a place which is named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful to death. Stay here and stay here and watch. He went a little further, a little farther, and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and and resting? Then he said, It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, verses 41 through 44. Tell me when you're there, please. 
So I want to give you two scenarios. Okay, ready? You're there? Verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. That's Jesus. Saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Okay, let's stop there. So let me just summarize or put together what's, what's happening here. So you have Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's there to keep an appointment. He knows he's going to be betrayed. And he knows that the betrayer will come there with the, with the soldiers to, to, to arrest him, to get him. But before that happens, in this hour, since he knows what's going to happen, he's agonizing about what he has to go through. I don't know if you can really picture what is going on here. You know you're going to die. You know how you're going to die. You know the agony that's associated with what you have to go through. And there is no way out. You have to go through this. So you're in a situation, he's praying to the Father about if there is a different way that this can happen. If he has to go through this. Okay, now listen to this. In verse 33, he's praying to the Father. He knows what's coming. So he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And if you define distressed, it says, this, the, the meaning is he's suffering from anxiety, pain, or sorrow. Being tr- troubled is defined as being grieved, heavy. Agony, something causing physical or mental pain. If you have ever, if you could ever think of the worst thing you have ever had to go through, that would cause you mental anguish, having you grieved and feeling heavy, what happens to you? You lose your appetite. There could be the best, whatever your favorite food is. You going through that agony, they could bring that food in front of you, or whatever it is. You have no appetite for it. It is totally gone from you. And not only that, that happens because of the mental anguish that you're going through. There are things that happen mentally and and it affects your body physically. Not only mentally, but physically, your stomach becomes in knots. You start to feel pain. And the pain is not from hunger. The pain is a physical manifestation of the mental stress that you're going through. So this here is Jesus in the garden experiencing this agony because he knows what's going to happen. It's not like they say, well, you lost, oh, they call you into the office, give you a pink slip, and they say you lost your job. That comes as a shock to you. But this is something that he knows is going to happen. He knows how it's going to happen. He knows when it's going to happen. And he knows all the stuff he has to go through. So you already know what's coming. You understand the difference? Many things we don't know. We find out and then we have to process it. He's processing it before it happens. 
So you understand the agony he's going through here. Okay, so I want you to get that. So he is praying. In verse 35, he said, Father. He, he said he, he, he fell down and he prayed. If it were possible, the hour might pass from me. And then in verse 36, he said, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, it's not what I want, it's what you want. He knows that the Father can do anything. He knows that. But he's asking the Father if there is another way. He said, there is nothing that's impossible with, with you, Father. You can make a different way. But if it is possible, if I don't have to go through this, find a different route, a different way for this to, for what you want to happen to happen. If there's any way that I can avoid this. But no, however, it's not my will. It's what you want. Many times we pray and we ask God for things and we wonder why prayers are not answered. Because sometimes what we are asking is not God's will for our life. It's not, because he, what he's asking here is not God's will for his life. So then he came again, he came and he, to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He said, could you not watch one hour? But why couldn't they keep awake? Because they don't understand what is going on. So imagine you have a friend or, or a sibling. You are the one going through the agony. You are the one that's experienced the suffering. Somebody else don't know what you're going through. They're not the ones who are going to lose their appetite. They're not the ones who are going to lose sleep because of what you are going through. So it's easy for them to, fall, to go to sleep. It's easy for them to eat. It's easy for them to go through their normal routine because who is the one suffering? We are the ones suffering, not them. So that's why it was easy for them to fall asleep. They did not understand the significance of the hour in which Jesus was praying and in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. If they understood it, they wouldn't have been sleeping. They would have been there on their knees praying fervently. But they did not understand. So that's why it was easy for them to fall asleep. So he went again. So he left them. He went again. And he prayed to the Father. And he said the same words. Father. He said all things are possible. Take this cup away from me. From me. Nevertheless. Not my will. Your will. He went again. And he prayed. And then he came back again. And he went to the disciples. And they were still sleeping. And then he went again. He went a third time. So then in verse 41 he said, after the third time he said to them, it is enough. He said, it is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Let us get going from here. Now let's go to Luke. Uh, let me just talk about Luke a little bit. In Luke chapter 22, there are things that were mentioned here that won't mention in Mark. So even Luke chapter 22 verse 41. So he was praying, and while he was agonizing, and asking the Father to take the cup from him, they said, an angel of the Lord appeared to him from heaven to strengthen him. So to tell you how agonizing it was for him, the angel had to come and minister to him, to, to strengthen him. 
And the only other time I read this is when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And after he was tempted, the angels came and ministered to him. They came to strengthen him. So this is how much agony he was going through. The angel had to come and help him and strengthen him. And they also, a manifestation of the, of the, the mental stress and the physical stress Jesus was going through. It says here in verse 44, Being in agony, in mental and physical pain, he prayed more earnestly. So he, he was even more fervent. When I say more fervent, I mean he was really praying like his life depended on it. And really his life depended on it. Because he said he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is how much agony he was going through. He began to sweat so profusely. It wasn't like... Because normally, I, you know, when you going through physical agony from something that em, that's emotionally t- uh, uh, stressing to you, you lose your appetite, you become cold, your hand becomes cold, your feet become cold, you have pain in your, in your, in your, in your, inner, in your inner parts, in your stomach. But he thought he was sweating just from the stress on his body. And it wasn't just like, a little sweat. He was, he was, the perspiration was pouring out of him. That's how much agony he was, physical agony he was in. So just to give you, uh, putting the two accounts together, to give you an, an idea of what Jesus was going through at the time. So, what's important to, to recognize is Jesus was asking the Father to find another way to do this. To find another way to redeem man because that's, what he, that's why he came. Let's read, go to Isaiah chapter 53, and we're going to start at verse 3. I'm going to read it, most of it, or all of it, because you, you want to hear this. This is what Jesus knew about what is going to happen. This was written about him. So, that's why when he's praying, he knows in the garden one, at Gethsemane, when he's praying, he knows this is what he has to go through. Listen to this. Starting at verse 3. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but let's start at verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. 
And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, was, he put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and he, he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Let's go further down in verse 11, near the end. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide, verse 12, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. That's what was going on in the garden. He was pouring out his soul. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. What is going on? Jesus knew this was written about him. He knew this is what he has to go through. The he's going to be beaten. He's going to be bruised. He's going to be insulted. He's going to be ignored. He's going to be slaughtered. These are the things he knows that's going to happen from him. He knows that his life is required, was going to be required of him. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane understanding that this is what is going to happen to him. He would have to make a decision on whether to obey or not obey. People might think that Jesus didn't have a choice. Yes, he did have a choice. Because this is what was spoken about him in Isaiah as, just, as I just read. So let's just pick up what was going on here. So Jesus knew what was written about him, what he had to go through. He relented and refused to defend himself. He allowed the scriptures to be fulfilled. What was written about him had to be realized. He was truly a lamb led to the slaughter. Now listen to this. A lamb in the Old Testament, they used to pick a lamb that's without spot or wrinkle. It had to be perfect, couldn't be deformed or defiled in any way. That lamb was taken, they performed whatever ritual, and they slapped, they slaughtered the lamb. Did that lamb have any control over the, his destiny? None whatsoever. The lamb is at the mercy of whoever it is that has it in its possession. Now watch this. This lamb, Jesus, was he like the other lambs? No, he was not like the other lambs. This lamb of God, Jesus, is a man. This lamb has a choice. Do you hear what I'm saying? The lamb in the Old Testament had no choice. This lamb, Jesus, has a choice. He can choose to die or not to die. Jesus actually had a choice. How do I know that? You don't have to turn there. In John 10, 17, 18, Jesus said, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes my life. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. So what is Jesus agonizing about in, in the garden? He's agonizing about having to go through with what was written about him. But this lamb, he has a choice on whether he wants to go through it or not. The father gave him a choice. He could to lay down his life or not lay down. And the father said, you can, you, I have, that you have the power to lay it down, you have the power to take it up. So this lamb has a choice. 
How do I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. If we go to, let's go to Matthew, Matthew 26. And I'll show you something. Verse 52. Matthew is just before Mark. You want to know, how do I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you. Matthew 26, verse 52. It says, Jesus said to him. Now, who is him? This is Peter. When they came for him to arrest him, Peter took his sword and he cut off one of the soldier's ears and Jesus healed him. And this is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Put your sword in its place. Put your sword back. So, the disciples, some of them had, had swords. They were walking with knives and swords. So Jesus said, For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Now listen to this, verse 53. Listen to what Jesus said. Or do you think, Peter, that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? What does that tell you? If Jesus wanted, he could have called the angels to come and deal with these soldiers who came to arrest him. But then what did he say after that? What did he say after that? In Matthew 26, 52. He said in verse 56. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. So Jesus had a choice. To go through it or not go through it. Because he said, I could call angels. And they could come and deal with these soldiers. But I have to allow it so that the scriptures, what was written about me in, 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 in Isaiah as we just read, so that those scriptures have to be fulfilled. So what is the importance of this? He had to have courage to obey or we need to have courage to obey what is written about us, the word of God. As I said, Jesus has a choice. But yielded and chose to obey the Father to do what was required of Him. Sometimes, in the Word of God, or the Spirit of God will tell us, or ask us to do things we might not be comfortable with. And we have a choice, because He gave man a choice. As Jesus has a choice, had a choice, we choose to obey or not to obey. So it takes courage to do things sometimes that you don't want to do. Somebody hurt you. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody lied about you. Or whatever it is that was done to hurt you. To cause you anguish. Sometimes the hardest thing to forgive is when somebody betrays you. That's something that it caused mental anguish. So the Spirit of God, the Word of God says to forgive those who betrayed you. Forgive those who despisefully used you. Forgive those who speak against you. In the natural in our own minds, we don't want to do that. We want to retaliate. We want to get back at these people. It takes courage to go to someone and say, I forgive you. But if you have wronged somebody, it takes courage to go and face that person and ask them for forgiveness. Why? Because of the consequences. You're not even sure how they're going to react to you. They might cuss you out. Or they may forgive you. It is not natural for people to like confrontation. It's not natural. I don't like confrontation. And I don't, know, I don't know anybody who likes confrontation. But it takes courage to obey God's word. It takes courage to do what's right. It takes courage. As I said, the Passover lamb was powerless. This Passover lamb, Jesus, wasn't powerless. 
He wasn't helpless. He wasn't at the mercy of the soldiers. Do you understand the difference? This lamb, he wasn't like the other lamb, this Jesus. He was sinless man. He didn't even deserve to die. They condemned him to death, but he didn't deserve to die because he was sinless. He had a choice. He, Jesus had a choice. He wasn't helpless. It takes, why does it take courage to do what he did? Number one, he has the power to stop it. You understand? He has the power to stop what's going on. But, he asked the Father, he's praying to the Father, and said, Father, if there's another way, make it happen. But he says, not what I want, it's what you want. But then he understood there wasn't a different way. Because, in verse 41 of Mark, you don't have to turn there, Mark 41, he said in verse 41, in Mark 14, 41, he said, it is enough. The hour is up. He relented and he made up his mind to obey the Father. He made up his mind to yield to the Father's will. Even though he had the power to stop it, he allowed himself to be taken, arrested, beaten, and put on a cross. He allowed it to happen. So, it says he was like a lamb taken to slaughter. That is exactly what happened. He didn't retaliate with his mouth. He said nothing. He allowed him to accuse him. He allowed them to condemn him and he allowed them to put him on the cross. He allowed it. He said, no man take my life. I lay down of myself. Do you know how much power that is? You have the power to stop something but you don't stop it. It's affecting you. Your life. You have the power to do something about it but you chose not to do it. And why did he do it? That's why I love that song, Grateful. Why did he do it? It says in Hebrews 12 too. You can just listen. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What does all that mean? The author and finisher of our faith, he enjoyed, he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? The joy is that he will make a way so that the man, man, lost man will have a way to be reconciled or redeemed and come into relationship, right relationship with the Father. Because if he didn't do what the Father required of him, we would all be lost. Because he knew the benefit of him yielding himself to the Father's will. Many of us now are able to come before God in His righteousness. That's why He did what He did. And also in Zechariah 10, chapter 10, verse 11, we read this, and I, I talked about this in, about in Palm Sunday and uh, Easter Sunday. Many nations, this is what the prophet prophesied about the, what the God wants to do. He said, many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. And they shall become my people. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. What day? The day he laid down his life. The day he laid down his life. He made it possible. Not only for the Jewish people. But for all the Gentiles. To also become the children of God. Because of that. He, laid, he allowed himself to be beaten. To be whipped. Bloodied. And put on the cross. And 
The beauty about that, that he had the courage to obey, is that he had the power to do something about it, and he did nothing. He allowed himself to be crucified. And also, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, Through what Jesus accomplished on the cross, he has made us kings and priests to God and the, and the Father. What does that mean? We were enemies to God. We were enemies to God. And now those who trust and believe and receive Jesus, they have now been made kings and priests to God. We have now been made children of God. We are now heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance now. Do you understand why Jesus allowed himself to be beaten and put on the cross? Because if he didn't do that, we couldn't become children of God. We would always be enemies to God and deserve death and separation from God. But because he allowed himself to be put on the cross, he allowed himself to be beaten, bruised, abused, he made it possible now through him to come to the Father in his righteousness. And I talked about this last week. I'm not going to go back and talk about what, what all he accomplished. About being the high priest and all these things. So understand, it takes courage to obey. It takes courage to do what is not easy to do. And the, beauty, and the, the tough thing about this for Jesus is that he knew ahead of time what was going to happen. He knew what, he knew how, he knew why. That is not easy. Sometimes we want to know the future. Sometimes it's not, it's not a good thing to know the future. Because you will be, especially if it's something that's not good, you will be agonizing over that until it happens. What Jesus was realizing in the Garden of Gethsemane at that time, as they say in the world, you know, I'm not going to use the word, but they say, stuff's getting real. It's really, gonna, it's really happening right now. The hour is up. I'm really have to, I really have to go through this stuff right now. So I hope you can have an appreciation when you know when we sell, when we commemorate and remember communion, and when we celebrate um, Easter Sunday and Good Friday, and not only that, but as we walk through life, trusting and believing and trying and trying to walk with the Lord, it's it's a great thing to appreciate what Jesus accomplished. The more the more and more I study this, the more and more I have I am grateful for what He has done. Do you understand the, the significance of it? Having the power to stop it. Having the power to save your own life. But choosing not to use that power. So that others can benefit from your sacrifice. They said this is the love of God. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is what it means. While we were yet sinners, Christ chose to die for us. He had a choice. He didn't have to do it. He had a choice. It takes courage to serve God. It takes courage to walk with God. And the only way that you'll be able to take a step of faith, because this is with faith in action, is if you know Him. Because if you don't know Him, you can't trust Him. And if you can't trust somebody, it's very hard to do what they ask you to do. It's very hard. You've got to be able to trust and for us to be able to prepare ourselves for the time going in this world right now. Through the, in the Word of God and through the Word of God, there might, there might be things that's, go, that's going to happen in our lives. That's going to affect us. And we really have to believe God's Word. 
as it applies to our life. Because God already told us what's going to happen. He, Jesus already knew what was going to happen about with him. He just had to, to go through it. The same thing with us. We will know what is going to happen. Through the word or in a dream. Whatever it is. But we have to have the courage now. When we know is to do it. It's one thing to say. But it's a different thing to do it. 